today's topic, Wi-Fi performance monitoring systems um, as a design tool. So it's a little bit different take on, on what these systems are usually used for. Uh, so I wanted to kind of float some ideas out there for people that do a lot of design and um, you know, it's a very labor intensive, time intensive uh, process. And uh, I wanted to think about some ways that, that what we do could augment that. So I think of wireless performance monitoring systems in three different classes. They're hardware sensors, Sapphire I is one, software agents, mobile eye, and the network as a sensor. And those are the other systems that are using uh, telemetry from uh, the infrastructure itself uh, to make some uh, claims about Wi-Fi performance monitoring. So a uh, little disclaimer, you always want to, I'm not here to, to say that we're a replacement for site surveys or that uh, everything you learned in the CWDP book was, uh, you don't have to do anymore. That's not the case. You still want to do site surveys. Um, you still want to, uh, you know, do that layer one RF design. That's the most important thing in, in Wi-Fi performance, getting that right from the get-go. And then what we do uh, is come in and help with operations after the fact and troubleshooting. But what can we do to help out that um, design process? Well, uh, if we look at some of the different phases of wireless network design you know one of the first things and if you've got experience here uh, it seems simple enough is gathering requirements but it actually can be one of the most painful and challenging steps so you've got uh, clients that often or i should say customers that uh, don't really know much about the client population that the network needs to support uh, they might know a couple of the apps in use um, but they certainly uh, know very little about the adapters that are installed on those clients and what their capabilities are. And then if it's a greenfield um, location, you want to know what the RF environment looks like now. And a spectrum analyzer can help, help out as well. And we'll look at some other things and requirements gathering as well. But in terms of learning about the client population, Mobileye actually uh, has some really great features um, here where um, you, once it's installed, you can get a, a simple inventory of all the clients installed, all the clients out there. So you know exactly, right? There's 298 of this model Lenovo laptop. But it goes deeper than that because it's um, an agent on those machines. Right, so now we know exactly which adapters th these machines have, and even uh, even more than that, we know which driver versions they're running, which is really really handy be because you know I've got highlighted here. Here's an Intel 8260 with very old drivers on it for this particular adapter, and. I know firsthand that those early driver versions for the 8260 were buggy and caused a lot of stickiness and roaming issues. And uh, if this was a, a customer of mine who had, in this case, 66 devices 
with those old drivers. I'd want to call that out because, um, you know, they're counting on me, the wireless engineer, to get the Wi-Fi network uh, uh, either to be better than what it is today or install a new one that works really well. And with these old machines, no matter what I would do on the infrastructure side, uh, they're still going to have issues. So I can at least call this out in my final deliverable, say, hey, you got to update these drivers. This is why uh, Wi-Fi performance is poor for some of these, um, some of your uh, uh, folks. And then, or have it remediated, uh, uh, you know, during the design and just say, hey, you need to get these updated uh, as part of this process. In a greenfield, and this can be helpful in brownfield too, but in a greenfield deployment, um, you know, Sapphire I has that spectrum analyzer and it's saving uh, that uh, uh, data to the cloud. So we keep 30 days, <coughs> excuse me, of, of spectrum analysis data in the cloud. And so in a, at a new site, before you even show up to do a walkthrough or a site survey, you can have somebody, uh, you know, plug in, plug in a Sapphire Eye, it's plug and play, just uh, get an internet connectivity and off it goes. And that spectrum analyzer will run 24 seven and give you insight into the uh, existing incumbents, we'll say, in the spectrum. So you might turn up things like this, which was a big horrible blob of interference this is not Wi-Fi, this is something else that showed up at this particular site in the 2.4 gigahertz band for a period of about uh, three hours, two and a half hours roughly. So for two and a half hours, the 2.4 gigahertz band here was nearly unusable, uh, but it was transient. Uh, so this, uh, this thing was here uh, one day and then it was gone. Uh, at least in the hours uh, uh, immediately afterwards. This might not show up during a walkthrough with a spectrum analyzer, but with long-term spectral analysis from a, a Sapphire I, you would see it. And of course, if the customer has any need or requirement for performance in the 2.4 gigahertz band, you need to call this out because uh, if this comes back again, it doesn't matter how well the network's designed, this is gonna ruin Wi-Fi performance in the 2.4 gigahertz band. There's a lot around capacity planning that um, our tools can, can help out with. And, um, and I could do a whole webinar just on that, but we'll just, mm -hmm. I'll try to keep it brief and, and just talk about a few things just to kind of, uh, you know, get the ideas get the wheels uh, turning. But obviously, you know, capacity planning is a, uh, it can be a pretty complex task. And um, a lot of it involves, you know, calculating um, airtime utilization estimates. And we use a lot of, um, we use a lot of assumptions when we make those calculations. And what we can do is replace some of those assumptions with real data. So um, we talk, you know, it's, it's, it's often the thought that, you know, for example, we've got a three by three 
um, AP and we've got um, we're designing to a, a specific uh, minimum RSSI so at MCS 8 and 9 um, we should always be using you know the two or three highest data rates available um, and that's you know one of the assumptions that goes into capacity capacity planning often uh, what we find though is that when we look at the data rates APs actually use um, you know there's quite a bit of variability so let me talk you through these two uh, graphs so we've got um, uh, graphs of data rates that uh, two different APs are using on the left well, first of all, they're both three spatial stream 802.11 AC APs, and we're just looking at their five gigahertz radios. On the left it is an AP uh, from, these are both from the same vendor as well, but on the left is the an AP uh, from a previous generation of hardware. And on the right is an AP from the current generation of hardware. And no, I'm not gonna tell you which vendor this is, but Suffice to say, you can see that the data rate shifting, the, the aggressiveness in um, data rate shifting is, is higher for the previous generation AP. You can see that it's more often using these highest available data rates with three stream clients. In this case, the Sapphire Eye was the client it's, it was transmitting to. Uh, yet, um, the new uh, generation of APs um, is less aggressive. It's more conservative. It's using these lower data rates. It's using two spatial streams a lot more often than three. And, you know, there might be good reasons for that. You know, using these lower data rates increases robustness. There should be lower retries. There, sh there you know, you might have better voice over Wi-Fi performance because, uh, uh, you know, latency and jitter and all those things that, is, that are affected by retries uh, might be a little bit better. But if you were a, say, a, a university dependent on uh, using these three stream data rates um, with, you know, your students' MacBook Pros that have that third spatial stream, and, and your airtime calculations, your, your capacity planning, factored that in. Said, oh, I've got all these three stream clients. Um, we're gonna be able to take advantage of that and, and have better airtime efficiency. Well, you know, that may not be the case. And, and the great thing is with Sapphire Eye, it's easy to test an AP or a group of APs to get some idea into how aggressive they are in, in data rate shifting. Similarly, uh, we can look at the, the data rates that clients use. So these are the, the client transmit data rates for a group of uh, two spatial stream 802.11ac clients, uh, all with the same um, uh, chipset, the same uh, wireless adapter. And um, you, you know, this is a high density design, you'd expect, um, you know, our, our normal assumptions are they're going to be a skewed towards the right end of the graph again. 
using the highest available data rates. Uh, but we see that's not the case at all. There's a pretty fat tail uh, over to the left. It's pretty, I mean, there's some skew towards those high, highest data rates, but they're, they're using all the available data rates, even some OFDM data rates and some significantly lower uh, data rates. So in the real world, um, even with a well-designed network, um, the data rates in use by APs and clients uh, may not meet those assumptions. And we can use this data collected from Sapphire Eye to uh, help tune those assumptions and make sure we're uh, using the right numbers for our calculations. So this can be helpful for predictive designs as well, because obviously uh, the more data you can throw at a predictive model, the more accurate it's gonna be. Just like going out and calculating wall attenuation uh, metrics, uh, instead of using the defaults built into your site survey software, if you can learn some uh, real capabilities and real performance numbers about your clients and APs, uh, that can help with the capacity planning. It goes into a predictive model as well. And then there's this, you know, unfortunate circumstance of uh, survey-less designs, which I'm telling you right now, you shouldn't do, but I know it does happen. And if you have a design, it's not even really a design, but if you have a deployment that there was no survey with, then, um, you know, certainly sensors, and mobile eye can really help out because you're going to have a pretty uh, large increase in the operations cost and support load associated with that WLAN. So, uh, you know, getting a sensor out there and having it moved around by the, the people at that site to wherever the problems are occurring can really help uh, help that troubleshooting and support um, uh, problem. Uh, because now you've got your whole tool set available remotely that you can deploy where it's needed. So another phase of the design process, validation, um, can be really help, uh, helped through some of our tools. So, uh, you know, uh, portable sensors like Sapphire Eye, you can, you can have uh, left behind or shipped to a site uh, while the validation survey is going on. And, you know, if there's some areas that are really kind of borderline in terms of requirements, you know, meeting the requirements of the design, which happens, you know, there's always those areas where you're kind of scratching your head, like, eh, is it quite good enough? You know, we're right on the threshold and I validated it with my Becca House sidekick, but you know, will a real client see it the same way? There's always those questionable areas. So put a sensor out there and, um, you know, validate it over time while clients are there actually using the network and making, and you can see that performance is beating expectations or it's not. Additionally, uh, Mobileye is great for this too, since it's software only, it's easy to distribute it widely uh, remotely and and look at the the real clients on the WLAN to make sure that your requirements are being met. You know, very simple, you know, the simplest thing to look at is your coverage requirement. You probably had a 
threshold, say minus 65 or minus 67 dBm for a voice over Wi-Fi deployment, or maybe minus 70 for just a normal sort of data-oriented coverage network. Well, Mobileye will show you exactly what uh, minimum signal strength clients at those sites are receiving. Uh, so you can go and, and make sure that that's, uh, those um, requirements are being met. And also, um, if they're not, which AP the client was connected to and it had a problem. Client roaming, also very important uh, to know about the performance of clients, not because um, it's, it's usually part of the WLAN uh, design process, but just because it affects the Wi-Fi performance um, so much that you, if if clients are roaming poorly, again, doesn't matter how well the design of the infrastructure went, the overall performance will be poor for those clients, and it's going to get blamed on you since you were, you know, supposed to quote unquote fix the Wi-Fi. So, so having that data. Uh, to support the conversations about that is, is really, really critical. Clients can tell you something about co-channel interference as well, since they're scanning the network from their own perspective, and they can show you where other overlapping BSS IDs are. Um, you can check real client throughput and make sure the applications that you need to reach are all available uh, directly from the clients, which is really handy. So this is what it looks like in Mobileye, and we can tell um, just from a single client, we've got this uh, assessment over time where we can see if the requirements we have in all these areas are being met. So looking at an uh, individual client, um, I talked about how you can look at the, you know, the RSSI it's received. Um, and not, it's not your site survey adapter. This is the real client that's using the network uh, to make sure that, that your, uh, most of the time, your coverage requirements, requirements are being met. And we can see in this particular case, we have a little bit of a coverage problem where uh, the signal strength dropped pretty low, minus 75 dBm or so. You can see the data rate dropped and the MCS index drop for this client as well. If we see that pretty often, you know, maybe we need to go do some validation and see what's going on with that particular client. We can also distinguish that from roaming problems. So having uh, an agent on the endpoint means we know uh, not only what its minimum signal strength is, which we can see here on the right, but also if there's a, a nearby AP, and this is the client's perspective on that. So what are, what's the signal, what's the best signal strength of the neighboring APs from where this client is? Well, in this case, the signal strength for this client dropped to minus 90 dBm, which is terrible. And if that was a, a coverage problem, it'd be very serious, but it's not a coverage problem because we can tell that the client also had a AP at minus uh, 55 dBm nearby. It just failed the roam, and that's something we'd want to call out, uh, you know, if it was a chronic problem with a specific client um, uh, with the customer. 
we can look at this um, for groups of clients as well, and and uh, including uh, by location, which is great if you're distributed. And you know, often you'll do a design for one location at a time, and you really just care about that location. So let's just look at you know here's here's our own network, and we're looking at the five gigahertz performance um, in all of our uh, offices in Ohio. We can see, yeah, in Columbus, there there have been some problems. What kind of problems were they? Well, this is kind of cool. We're, we've created these problems where we're correlating um, the data for you. So instead of uh, going through the data this way and looking at it, uh, which I prefer, uh, just I like to look at the raw data uh, at, um, and, and make my own determinations, but we can also show it to you where we've uh, made determinations based on the thresholds uh, and requirements that you've set and and sort of package that up as problem events. So we can show you problems for roaming, coverage, congestion, and general RF problems. And all of these are are really valuable for the design process. Uh, and we can see which sites have the most of those. We can drill into those sites and see, oh my goodness, the, our Columbus office, this is embarrassing. Our own seven signal Columbus office has 172 coverage problems for this particular client. Need to get somebody that has some Wi-Fi knowledge up there to, to help them out. <coughs> uh, and we can drill into these problems. So this is what a coverage problem looks like. And it's very simple, low signal strength below the threshold that we configured and zero stickiness. That means there are there are no other APs that this client could have roamed to with with uh, decent signal strength. Congestion, very simple. Good Wi-Fi uh, data. Uh, so I, and by that I mean the signal strength is very good. Data rates nice and high. So uh, our our Wi-Fi performance at layer two and layer one is great. But our throughput's poor. So what's going on? Is it an internet circuit problem? Is it uh, is is the AP uplink uh, limited somehow? Uh, is there rate limiting going on? Um, we don't know. But you know, if your throughputs, if you're only getting a megabit of throughput, you're probably going to have some folks complaining or grumbling about it. And what do they blame first? Well, they blame the Wi-Fi first. But with this kind of data, we can tell, hey, actually, uh, the Wi-Fi uh, performance was excellent at this point in time. Somewhere further upstream, there was a problem. And then RF problems. And these are more general problems. Uh, but what we're saying is, you know, your signal strength's very good. We're not seeing uh, we're not seeing any obvious problems, but the data rate is really low. You know, with a signal strength of minus 50 dBm, especially in the five gigahertz band, you can see that connectivity here. Why would our data rate be so low? 13 megabits per second. There's, there's probably a source of interference. There are 
uh, retries building up, uh, lots of collisions perhaps. Something's wrong with the RF. Maybe we have too many APs on the same channel. Maybe we've got neighbors running their own APs on our, in the same spectrum. Maybe somebody turned on a microwave. Maybe, you know, on and on and on. But these are all uh, symptoms of RF problems. So that's where that comes from. Definitely something we'd want to investigate further if we saw that showed up showing up in, in a site that we designed. And so, you know, the last benefit to using um, our tools in the design process is it makes it really easy to turn it over to operations or to continue using them if you're going to be in charge of operating the, the wireless LAN yourself uh, going forward. Uh, because that's really what these are designed for uh, in the first place, was for 24-7 operations and troubleshooting and reporting and alarms um, so that uh, the people that are in charge of running the network um, can remediate problems much faster, discover root causes much faster, get really uh, insightful and valuable alarms, and also to simplify remote troubleshooting. And so um, the tools we have uh, are a great help for that once the design process is complete. Okay, and I think uh, with that, our next slide is the uh, trivia question. Is that right, Erica? Yeah, thanks so much, Jim, for diving uh, in deep into our solutions and giving us more information on that. I certainly learned a lot. So thank you for that, Jim. My pleasure. Um, oops. Oh. All righty. So hopefully you didn't see- Kind of get delayed there. I know, I know. Hopefully um, we didn't uh, see our trivia question there too quickly, but you can use the um, chat portion over on your uh, GoToWebinar panel on the side of your screen to answer this trivia question. Uh, first person to get the trivia question correct, I will send you a $25 Panera gift card. So go ahead and use the chat portion over on the GoToWebinar panel and we will um, see what answers flow in. So the question is, what is 14 dBm in milliwatts? It's the kind of thing that pops up during design work, especially when you're comparing APs and clients and you've got a lot of different spec sheets. Sometimes you get numbers in dBm and sometimes you get them in milliwatts and you need to be able to do some conversions to be able to compare them. All righty, we'll wait a, another minute or so here for some answers to pile in. All righty, so we have a answer here and it is a, the correct answer. So the answer for this trivia question was 25 milliwatts. Um, and so our first uh, person to answer that correctly was Renee Rytel. So Renee, I will be sending you your uh, Panera gift card in the mail. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me as well and um, make sure I have your correct uh, address as well so I can get that to you as soon as possible. 
And with that being said, we're going to switch it over to our question and answer portion here. So this is the time to ask Jim any questions you might have that might have uh, come up during the presentation. You can use the question panel on the GoToWebinar Go to um, panel as well. And we'll give everyone a minute or so to let those questions flow in. Alrighty, looks like we have a question here. Um, we have, so Jim, we have a question for you here. Um, how are we differentiating seven signal tools from other tools like Wireshark? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, and Wireshark, um, we work with uh, very well. So Sapphire Eye, that hardware sensor can uh, serve as a remote um, packet capture device. So you can run a packet capture at a site, you know, several time zones away, just by having that um, Sapphire Eye there. It'll use, uh, it'll, it can do an over-the-air packet capture, capture everything on the channel uh, that you can, and then you can use Wireshark to do, you know, protocol analysis on that if you really want to get in the weeds. Um, so, so they're very complementary tools in that case. What differentiates differentiates us from, um, you know, others too is that we're again outside looking in, taking a, a an unbiased, you know, neutral view of performance. It's not colored by um, bugs or hardware failures or anything else that's going on in the infrastructure. Uh, so, so. You know that's a that's a big uh, difference for us.